From Hagerstown, Maryland, the Associated Builders and Contractors of Cumberland Valley bring you their weekly podcast. This week we are talking to safety professionals from our members within ABC. So let's join in on the conversation. Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to the ABC Cumberland Valley Safety Podcast. And uh, this morning, we're going to be talking uh, a little bit about uh, drug use on job sites. Um, one, maybe uh, some, some key hints on how to identify it. Um, and then secondly, uh, the big topic of with, uh, with uh, marijuana and variations thereof of medical marijuana becoming legal in different areas. Um, and even in some states, uh, recreational use of marijuana becoming legal. How do we handle that? And uh, how do we work our way through that? So I guess we'll, we'll, we'll do the, uh, uh, I guess I'll say the, the, the harder piece maybe um, in some cases uh, uh, first, and we'll talk about identifying um, when people are using drugs, maybe before work or they're coming to work impaired or even possibly uh, um, on site. And uh, how do we handle that? Um, there are a lot of people that, uh, there have been a lot of questions around this over the past several years um, with uh, heroin becoming a bigger uh, problem within the, uh, uh, within the communities around. Um, with other new drugs and synthetic drugs and things of that nature coming on to the uh, onto the scene, so I think the key thing is, and, and I'll turn it over to you guys. Then, um, when you're you're out there working and and uh, you know you need to be looking for those key indicators. Um, you know, is an employee uh, not acting themselves? Are they uh, falling asleep? Um, you know, while standing up. Um, are they staggering? You know, all of those things. The, the old time, well, you know, you go take a sniff and see if they smell like alcohol is not always uh, going to be true today because there are so many other possibilities of drugs, um, synthetic and like, or synthetic and otherwise, um, that they could be utilizing. Um, so how do you guys handle, uh, you know, trying to identify? Um, do you do any special training with your supervisors and your foreman? Um, give me your thoughts. You hit the nail on the head there um, is with everything. Just training and education is, is huge. And I feel that coworkers and field level foremen are the, the first line of defense there. They're the ones working with each other every single day. So they know their tendencies. They know a lot of times personal issues, you know, if they're going through a rough time, or maybe a medical condition that, that may cause some of these same signs and symptoms. Um, but, but that's where it starts is, and we do a lot of training. We have a very good uh, working relationship with our occupational health facility, and they come out and do training for our field supervisors, our project managers. Um, and, and also, you know, you don't want to be accusatory. Um, and I tell our guys, you have, you know, you're walking around with notepads, whether it's electronic or, or hard, real paper and pen, um, but you want to document um, what, what your findings are. 
And then, you know, if you're not sure about something, give me a call, give HR a call. And, you know, we'll come out to the job and if we need to talk to somebody or observe them, um, and that may lead to taking somebody for a reasonable suspicion test. Uh, but we definitely don't want to be accusatory and we want to make sure we document everything. We, uh, we send all of our managers and those individuals in those areas uh, to reasonable suspicion training. Um, and besides just one individual, a second individual has to, um, once, once somebody is potentially uh, observed um, to be under the influence, a second individual has to uh, concur with that. It's not just one person saying, oh, well, you know, Joe over there, he, he's, uh, he's a little shaky today, so we're going to send him for a reasonable suspicion. There's, uh, to, to go off of what was being said, document, document, document. Um, that's, you have to document everything. And they go through with their training uh, behaviors to look for, such as stumbling, unsteady gait, uh, drowsy, sleepy, lethargic, um, appearances, speech, body odors, because um, obviously alcohol and marijuana, there, there is a body odor with those um, as they come out your pores and, and everything like that. So we do a lot of training with reasonable suspicion with uh, managers, supervisors, um, so that they know what to look for. So I, I think uh, all, all of those good, valid points, documentation is always uh, the, one of the most important things. Um, with that, though, um, well, one of the things that sometimes some of the trainings touch on, sometimes they don't, um, but one of the, the most common missteps um, that I have seen and, and, and heard in talking with folks is, okay, um, Johnny uh, appears to be under the influence of something. Um, we get our two people. Um, we, we're, we're on a busy job site. We get our other foreman together with us. Um, and yep, it appears he's under the influence. We're going to send him for reasonable suspicion uh, uh, test testing. And uh, so uh, you go over to Johnny and say, "Hey, you're not quite acting right." Um, we, 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 you know, a couple of the managers have, have observed you. Um, we think you might be under the influence of something. We'd like you to go for a, a drug and alcohol test. Um, so why don't you go ahead and go, uh, you know, jump in your car and run over and get your drug and alcohol testing done. Um, and uh, I heard the chuckle there. Uh, it, it happens a lot. Um, and the problem with the scenario that I just gave is we told that person to go get in their car after we suspected that they are under the influence of something. If they are yeah. indeed under the influence and they have an accident while they're on their way to get their testing, um, you know, we could be liable for that. Um, so we need to arrange for that transportation. Um, which then brings in this very unique situation um, where a supervisor or foreman may need to take that person for testing. Um, so now you're giving a ride to somebody, they go over, they go through the testing and they test positive for some sort of drug or alcohol. Now you have a former employee um, that you need to give a ride back to job site or home or to some area. And as a person that has had to um, make that drive a few times with uh, employees um, that can sometimes be uncomfortable and sometimes can could be um, somewhat confrontational so there needs to be a little bit of training as well on that side as to how you handle that situation um, 
And uh, in some cases, maybe you don't know how the results of the test go, and that goes back to an HR department or someone else within your company, and then they relay that information. Um, but uh, you know, 90% of the time, that person already knows what the outcome is um, because they know what they've done. So a little bit of training on, on how to handle that type of situation. Um, the other question um, that quite commonly comes up is um, many times in medium, medium and small size businesses, um, we wear many different hats. Um, and many times people aren't completely and 100% up to date on what type of testing they should be doing. Um, many times they call occupational health in their town and say, can you take care of my, uh, uh, my post accident reasonable suspicion and pre-employment uh, drug testing? And of course the answer would be yes. And uh, they sign up and they start sending people over. Um, there are many different types of drug tests. Um, there are some that are immediate, there are some that need to be sent out. And then on top of that, there are different panel tests. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there's like a five, a nine, a five panel, a nine panel, and then maybe even more than that. Um, and uh, I think as employers, we probably want to be opting for the tests that test for the most types of drugs. Um, your thoughts on that? I agree with you on that. Uh, just be prepared for more positives the more things you're looking for. So what that is is a five-panel test for five things, a nine-panel test for nine things. So, you know, the, the higher you go, the more you're testing for, and it gets into a lot of your synthetics um, and also even uh, prescription-level medications. So just be prepared for more positives. Uh, so you may want to make sure yourself, your safety department, your HR department are educated in that and make sure you have plans and policies in place for what you're going to do with those positive tests. So I want to jump back a minute, Amos, you were saying about accusatory. Um, one of the things that I ran into when I was a, a volunteer firefighter was actually we got called out for someone that they believed was intoxicated. And when we got to the scene, uh, it turned out the, the individual was having a diabetic emergency. Um, a lot of people don't realize that when a diabetic is having an emergency, their breath will actually smell like alcohol because their body's not breaking down the sugar the way it is supposed to. They're going to be lethargic. They're going to slur their speech and everything like that. Um, so it's, it's important to, like was said, to know if there are medical issues there um, that could be creating those things and not just assume, oh, well, you know, Johnny's drunk at work because um, Johnny might actually be a diabetic. So, you know, it's very important that, that you know those types of things and cover those things and don't assume anything. I, I would agree with that. Um, you know, there, there are lots of medical um, scenario or medical situations that, you know, could cause people to have those same, same types of symptoms. Um, and, and, you know, I think we should always be handling it in a way that we're not being accusatory, but, you know, making sure people know we're doing this for their safety and we're concerned about them. Um, and, and, you know, many times if it is somebody that, um, 
has actively been using drugs or drinking um, many times they'll refuse the test or I mean there are other signs um, but we need to make sure you know in reality we need to make sure we get them to a medical professional period um, because you know if they are having some other issue hopefully that is identified at that point uh, one of the other things that Jason mentioned I think it was Jason um, about the different tests and testing for synthetic drugs and uh, I had an experience a few years ago um, that um, I, I think I might have shared with the uh, safety committee before, but uh, we had an employee that came to me and said, hey, one of the other employees um, is acting really, really weird and, and has an odd appearance. And you know, we don't know what's going on, but would you go check on them? And uh, I proceeded to do so. And when I got to this individual, it was a cold, cold evening. And the person was just sweating profusely. Um, I, I, the best I can describe it is they actually kind of reminded you of a cartoon character, the way their eyes were ready to pop out of their head. And uh, I talked to the individual and it was very apparent that either they were having a medical emergency or they were under the influence of something. And so I took the individual in and I talked to them and uh, it became apparent that I believed they were under the influence of something. So at this point, um, I had no one else um, in other than hourly employees. I had no one else to kind of assess this situation with me. And uh, so I did make a decision, um, which is, is not common. It's always preferable to get a second opinion. Um, but I, I made a decision with everything that was there that we needed to take this person for drug and alcohol testing. Um, in the process, I had talked to the plant manager and the plant manager told me that, um, that you know, oddly that that person had just went for random drug testing the week before and, and been fine. So I took the person over for the uh, uh, drug and alcohol testing and, and um, they, they came back negative. Um, so I, I, on the way back to taking them to their plant, um, you know, I had to make a decision and I didn't feel comfortable putting this guy back to work um, because he was not in his right state of mind. Now he just passed a drug test or, or, you know, came back with negative results. So I sent the gentleman home um, and I said, you know, come back tomorrow and, and we'll reassess. So he came back the next day and uh, he worked for about another week the following week. Um, same thing kind of situation happened. Um, so I went, I talked to the individual and uh, we sent him for drug and alcohol testing and it came back negative again. So I sent the gentleman home again for a second time. And uh, because it, again, at that point, I'm just concerned about their safety. And uh, at that particular business, I, I made a decision. I said, we're going to send you home. I'll pay you for the day, but I'm going to send you home. Because at this point, I really have no reason other than this person's not acting right um, to send them home. Long story short, we found out later, um, about a month later, that this person was using a, a, a synthetic drug. Um, they actually got arrested outside of work. Um, and um, I called the police actually talked to them a little bit. They gave me a little bit of information. I called occupational health, gave them the information that the police had given me and occupational health said, you know, unfortunately, um, these new synthetic drugs are coming out at such a fast pace 
we don't have a test for that specific drug. And the reason I bring this up is, what do you do in those situations? I think I kind of covered all my bases, but that's a tough situation because now you have an employee um, that has a negative drug test um, and also a reason why you want to be testing with, uh, for more things. Um, but they have a negative drug test and um, they're, they're obviously impaired. What do you do with them? And, and my point of bringing this up um, is one to see what you guys think. Um, and secondly, I think to reinforce that regardless, we have to worry about the safety of that employee. And if they're impaired and we don't know why and can't figure it out, we as an employer do have a right to send them home. Um, what are you guys' thoughts? I think you, you're absolutely correct, Amos, in, in what you did there. Um, the fact of the matter is that it, it, the jobs that we do, is they're, they're very safety sensitive. Um, not only can the individual that's impaired get hurt, but they can hurt other individuals, whether it be other coworkers or the uh, public. So in, in that sort of situation, you, you did everything that you could, even though it still came back negative, your, uh, you know, your, your gut, your intuition, whatever you want to call it, said, no, I cannot let this individual work. Um, and, and those are tough calls to make sometimes, but when you step back and, and look at the big picture, you have to look out for the welfare of that employee, the welfare of other employees, as well as the welfare of the public. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent with you. Uh, you took care of it the right way. And as we, you, you'll see, this is a, a common theme with this discussion is, you know, you want to document that um, just in case that employee does come back and say, well, my test came back negative and um, you know, Amos still sent me home. Um, but you had it documented why and um, you know, and as you found out justifiably so, but there again, you, we continually evaluate our our pro, uh, programs, and you know, do we want to jump from a five panel to a nine panel? Um, you know, and w w like you said, with all these new drugs coming out um, at a very fast rate, that, that might be something you want to do. So I guess. Uh... Uh, one other thought as I'm thinking about this, and, and I think this is another common thing, um, is, as we mentioned earlier, if you do test for more things, be prepared for those positives. Um, and if, let's say we have an employee um, that goes for even a random drug test and it comes back positive for, uh, for opioids, um, and they come in and they say, well, I have this prescription for Percocet that I have for an injury that I had at home. Um, and uh, th there's a, a key piece to this, I think. Um, most all of us have in our company policies, and if you don't, I think you want to evaluate that. But if, if an employee is going to be on one of those types of, uh, of painkillers, they need to let you know that. Um, because that will affect their ability to do their job um, because they could be impaired if they are actively taking that drug. Um, so if the employee has not notified you and they're driving a, a crane um, and uh, they've not notified you that they had an injury at home and that they are on a painkiller, um, an opioid painkiller for that matter, and they test positive, um, what do you do in that situation? They have a prescription 
um, but they didn't notify you. So you know now that they've been operating um, a piece of equipment or working on the job site while under the influence of a prescription drug that they didn't notify you about. Your thoughts on that? One of the things that we do is that we require a release. If it's a if it's an injury at home, we require a release from the doctor prior to that employee coming back to work because we don't know whether they're on light duty, limited duty, no duty. Um, because last thing you want to do is have somebody that's injured at home come into work and start performing something that they're not supposed to be performing and injure themselves again or injure themselves to work. And a lot of times when you get that release, uh, it will tell you no driving or no lifting anything over five pounds, those types of things. It doesn't necessarily go into detail that they're on a, a prescription drug, but it will, it will spell out what they can and what they can't do. So uh, again, it's just documentation, as we've stated numerous times in this discussion, that, you know, we are covered that we know that individual should not be driving or should not be in a safety sensitive position to where that something can happen. And, and that's a great thing, Donnie, and we do the same thing is, is people have to bring in a release. Uh, but make sure as an employer, whether it's work-related or on personal time, you're looking at those um, to look at the medications and the restrictions, um, things like that. Because, yeah, it, it may say right on there that this person should not operate, you know, heavy machinery or dangerous machinery. So you may have to, you know, totally change their role, uh, whether it's, you know, they may not be able to work at heights, drive a company vehicle, operate power tools. Um, and a lot of these jobs, especially with, with, with Donnie's line of work, are what they call safety-sensitive positions. Uh, so you really need to be careful and, you know, don't hesitate as an employer to pick up the phone and contact your occupational health facility and ask questions. Uh, some of these places are a little bit vague on their their restrictions uh pick up the phone give them a call and make sure that it's it's in black and white and that that all this is documented uh there again you want to limit your liability uh or the exposure um and obviously protect the the safety of the employee as well so i guess um kind of a good segue um into uh the, the last piece that we have and there have been a lot of questions over uh, the, the marijuana, um, uh, with it being different laws uh, around in different states, um, what what are company policies? And I I think you know on this what I can what I have learned over the past you know two years, the best way to kind of sum up um, the whole issue around uh, the, the use of marijuana, medical or recreational in the areas and the, the jurisdictions that it's legal in, um, is that, uh, employers have a right to have a drug and alcohol policy. Um, it is no different, uh, than, uh, other than in one aspect, it is no different than alcohol. Alcohol is legal to use. Um, there are obviously limitations and laws around that. Everybody's familiar with that, but, we, we do not allow people to come to work under the influence of alcohol. It's in our company policy and it is a legal substance. Marijuana should be no different. Um, we, we can 
you know, still have that as part of our company policy that we, you know, uh, we do not allow the use of, uh, of marijuana. The only place that there's a small sticking point, I've heard some people discuss it, um, is that there is no way to currently test what the uh, level of marijuana in somebody's body is. So you don't know if they're currently under the influence or they did it over the weekend. Um, with that being said, again, as a company, you can make your company policy anything that you would like. Um, the, the next question is um, about the medical use of marijuana. And uh, it, it is summed up pretty simply. Um, if folks are doing any type of job that falls under federal guidelines, it is still illegal federally. There are no federal laws um, that have been changed around the use of marijuana. Um, so DOT uh, still looks at it as, a, as an illegal substance. Um, so if somebody is driving truck, driving a crane, or doing anything um, that falls under the federal guidelines, um, they have to abide by those rules. If, uh, if a truck driver is pulled over, it doesn't matter what state, um, and they are under the influence or have possession of marijuana, that would be grounds uh, for, uh, uh, for them to lose their license as well as be arrested, and, I mean, and criminally. Um, the, the last piece uh, is around the medical side. Um, we've heard some people talk about it, and I think there's confusion um, in general, but my understanding is um, there, there is no such thing as a prescription uh, for medical marijuana. A doctor can give a recommendation, but it's not a prescription. Um, there are no dosage rates. Um, there, it's, it's not a true prescription. Um, so there are other options for people to use other than just that. Um, so even if they have a medical card, you still have the right um, as, a, as an employer to have that as part of your policy to say, we don't allow it. Um, at the end of the day, it is up to each individual company on, on how they would like to handle that. Um, but, you know, that's the most concise way I think I can sum up what I've learned. I'm not an expert. Uh, I'm not a, a legal expert. I'm not a doctor. Um, but that's what we've been hearing over and over and over again. Um, so hopefully that kind of helps to answer some of the questions that are out there about it. What do you guys think? What have you been hearing? Um, what are your stances? Well, I think one of the unique things in our area is, you know, we're, we're so close to multiple states and the District of Columbia. And a lot of our members work in all of those areas. So uh, just for employers, know your state's laws. Um, but as you mentioned, Amos, uh, federally, it's still um, non-negotiable. And DOT, we all, the majority of, of our businesses have some trucks and some drivers that fall under that. Um, and it, it, it's still absolutely not legal. So uh, know the area, know your laws, and... Um, it's it's a tough spot right now, um, you know, with the medical marijuana cards and and more and more states and more and more businesses are becoming a little more lenient with it, um, and it, it kind of depends who you talk to. Uh, you go to one seminar and you'll hear one thing. You go to another seminar and some of the things might slightly contradict themselves. So it's a little bit of a a gray area right now and, and kind of a, a tough situation, but just 
definitely, I, I would highly recommend, you know, talking with your, your labor attorneys and, you know, make sure you're, you're protecting your companies. The other thing that I would add there as well is, is not just the, the attorneys, but also your insurance company. Um, there are those insurance companies out there that, you know, they are not going to insure you if you're allowing that to go on in your business. So I would encourage um, that as well as the attorney and, and everything else that Amos said, you know, it is the company's right to say, nope, we're not, no use whatsoever. It's illegal federally. So that's what we're going to go by. Um, and and uh, I believe maybe I've shared this before, but uh, we've had the question as well. Um, you know, we, we hope none of these things happen. Um, but if, if there's an incident or an accident that happens, the person is under the influence, they have a medical card, um, you as a company decide that you are going to uh, let them go because you have a company policy that says no use um, and you end up in court, you know, what happens. And to the best of our knowledge, um, you know, the scenario that you can give, because we, we don't, there are too many uh, variables there. What jurisdiction are you in? Where does it end up in court? All of those types of things. And indications are that, um, you know, possibly, if it ends up in a local court where it is uh, legal, um, that court may say, you know, you can't do this. Um, but the moral of the story is, um, you know, if that was the case and you were founded, you know, correctly and, and you want to pursue that, um, once you get to a federal court, um, you would obviously win because federally it is illegal. Um, you know, hopefully nobody has to go through all of that, but that's the best scenario or the best answer I can give to that question, um, you know, which has come up multiple times um, because people say, you know, none of us want to end up in court over any of these things. Um, but the key thing is, and I think we've all said it multiple times, we're only concerned about the safety of the employee in question, as well as all of the people working around that employee. Um, the, the rules are not created to make people's lives difficult. They're created to keep people safe. And, and, you know, I think it's important that everybody keep that in mind. Anything you know, else? One other thing I was, one other thing I was thinking about from when we first started talking about this and the education with field level supervisors is, you know, you want to tell your, your work, um, force that, you know, it, if, if I, if you and I are working together, Amos, and, and I have concerns that, you know, something's, you're not acting right. Um, it, it's not good to sweep it under the rug. You, you and I are friends, but it, I'm not really doing you any help by ignoring it. Um, and there again, you know, you could hurt yourself. You could hurt me working with you or, uh, or another coworker, but, um, and especially field level supervisors. I mean, it, it's their job to also protect the interests of the company. Um, but so many of these people are friends and they're afraid to say something because they're, they're buddies. Um, but they're again, uh, it, they're not doing them any good by, you know, hiding a problem. Absolutely. I think that's a good point. Um, I, I like to kind of take the stance of, would you want that individual to 
be doing anything around your significant other, your children. I like to put it back in, in that kind of aspect and make them think of it. In there. Um, so it, it does kind of uh, change the, the outcome of our friends. Uh, you know, whatever they, they take a step back and say, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, they, they could hurt somebody that I love and care about. So now I, I'm, I'm going to do the right thing here. And it's not always easy to do the right thing. Well, with that, I think we've covered a lot of ground. Um, and hopefully, you know, as I've said uh, several times, these uh, podcasts are designed None of us are experts. Um, uh, we, we're just trying to uh, talk about the real things that are uh, that are happening out there and the real questions that are out there and hopefully get people uh, thinking about their, their procedures and their, um, uh, their policies and hopefully to create a better and safer workplace. Um, thank you guys for taking the time out of your days uh, to, to do this with us. And uh, if anybody out there has any new topics or something they think um, that they would like uh, to talk about um, or would like to hear more about from the safety uh, group, um, just shoot us an email and uh, we'll get that into our, uh, into our uh, podcast. Thanks for joining us today for the podcast from the Associated Builders and Contractors of Cumberland Valley. If you'd like more information about us, please check our website at abccbc.org. Until next time.